Brad Alexander, let's talk about the ceasefire in Gaza, a four, four to five day ceasefire that the Biden White House, it appears that the Biden White House worked this ceasefire out with, uh, with Netanyahu, of which he is not getting along with. And the New York Times even reports that he's not getting along with Netanyahu. But anyway, he worked it out with Netanyahu, Egypt, and uh, Qatar. So uh, what's what's the deal with this uh, ceasefire? Well, the, the first thing to say is that the terms of this ceasefire change with every sort of news round. But basically, there's a, there's an exchange of hostages taking place. Gaza, well, exchange of hostages. Let's say an exchange of prisoners. Um, um, Hamas rounded up uh, uh, people. I mean, took them hostage on the seventh of October. And it's agreed to release some of them around 10 a day, apparently, is the commitment that they've made, up to about 50 um, over this four-day ceasefire. And Israel, in return, is going to release um, a number of the people that it holds. And the figure I've seen is 150. But the more interesting things, in some ways, is that whilst this swap is taking place, which is, of course in humanitarian terms, extremely important. There is also um, going to be this four-day humanitarian pause, which can be extended to 10 days, provided Hamas goes on releasing hostages during that time, which it will probably come under quite a lot of pressure to do. And the blockade on Gaza is going to be eased, or so we're supposed to expect over the course of this, uh, the period of this ceasefire. Now, the important thing to understand is that the Israelis are not happy. They've been pushed by the Biden administration and the Biden administration itself now is showing visible signs of pressure. And we've discussed in the past the way in which the diplomacy that the Biden administration undertook in the first week of this particular conflict was not wise at all. Um, it probably had very, very big ambitions indeed. We've seen all these enormous military deployments to strike it for a strike, potential strike on Iran. We saw lots of uh, reports that the Biden administration, the Blinken, was talking about. Um, relocating for people from Gaza into Egypt and all of those things. This is in the first week or so. Anyway, they have encountered such a massive diplomatic pushback about all of that. And there's also been such a, so many tensions within the United States that, they, that they're now in effect in retreat. And we've now had another very remarkable telephone conversation between Biden and the president of Egypt, um, President el-Sisi. Now, this is all happening in the context of this humanitarian pause. And the telephone conversation was apparently set up with Biden phoning el-Sisi to thank him for Egypt's role in brokering this humanitarian pause. But it's clear that the discussion went veered off in completely different directions. Now, the thing to understand 
is that El Sisi spoke to Biden on the 22nd of November. On the 21st of November, El Sisi attended a virtual summit meeting of the BRIC states, and um, not just the existing BRIC states, but the future BRIC states. So it was called by the South Africans. It was chaired by the South African president, Putin, Xi Jinping, um, MBS, Lula, Raisi of Iran, um, El Sisi himself, obviously, the Prime Minister of um, Ethiopia and the President of the UAE all personally participated. The only BRICS leader who didn't participate was Modi. Modi uh, was represented by his Foreign Minister, Jai Shankar. But then Modi had a follow-up meeting in which he was involved personally the following day, virtual meeting, with many of the same people, and that was done as a sort of virtual G20 summit. But anyway, these people all got together, and LCC was there. So LCC meets the BRICS leaders. The following day, he has this telephone call with Biden. And the American readout of the phone call with Biden is extremely unusual because it contains these words. It says that the United States will under no circumstances permit. Note those words, under no circumstances permit a redrawing of Gaza's borders, a displacement of people from Gaza, and a the besiegement of Gaza. Now, when he talks in that way, when he says under no circumstances permit, who is he not permitting? Well, it has to be Israel. So what Biden is now doing is he's telling an Egyptian president, an Arab leader, that he's placing red lines, telling the Israelis what from now on the United States will under no circumstances allow them to do. Now, that is a major shift. And, of course, some of these things, the displacement of people from Gaza, the possible redrawing of the borders of Gaza, they've certainly been discussed and perhaps considered in Israel. The besiegement of Gaza is being, well, the Egyptians would say, most people would perhaps say, a long-standing thing. But, of course, it's got much more intense over the last uh, six weeks since the original Hamas attack on October the 7th. And in return for saying that the United States will not permit Israel to do all of these things, he, again, again I'm taking this from the American readout, Biden is said to have also told LCC that the United States will not allow, under no circumstances will allow, Hamas to use Gaza as a sanctuary to attack Israel or to obstruct Middle East peace efforts. Now, that falls short of Israeli demands for Hamas's destruction and for Hamas to be uprooted completely from Gaza. So you can see that the Americans, Biden, 
having appeared to give Netanyahu right at the start a blank check, has now had to push, has been pushed all the way back. He's now drawing for Netanyahu what looked like red lines. And he's also starting to talk in a way that suggests that he's proposing or considering less than the complete um, destruction of Hamas. So quite a significant retreat. Now, this is, of course, Biden. (laughs) How much weight do you place on any of this? But it does give you some idea of the pressure he's under. The pressure that he's under uh, domestically and internationally. And, And I think that's the that's the reason for this uh, this change in stance from from the Biden White House. The, the opening days of the war, they were thinking something else was going to happen. They were thinking perhaps uh, even getting a wider war with Iran, um, something along those lines. Maybe they were thinking that the that the Middle East would not react in the way it has the countries of the Middle East. Maybe they were thinking that the American public would be in uh, in much more support of. Uh, of Biden and, and the decisions that he took uh, in the first days of, of the war. And things didn't work out the way the Biden White House and the neocons were hoping they would, they would work out. And uh, it's, it's an election cycle, election season, and uh, Biden's polling numbers are, are just about as bad as, as they can get. And uh, internationally, the U.S. Is, is becoming very isolated. And there's about a two, three week window uh, until BRICS and and the UN they they take control of of uh, of the of the Middle East uh, region, the Middle East, the, the crisis in in Israel and and the, the region in general. To be honest, uh, the U.S. risks losing influence and control of of the Middle East uh, from this catastrophic. Uh, diplomatic uh, policy from the Biden White House. So he has no choice. He has to he has to walk things back and he has to put pressure on, on Netanyahu. The question is, yes. will Netanyahu accept? Well, this is a good question because will Netanyahu accept? Because Netanyahu is under a whole set of entirely different pressures. And um, the Israelis have already, for example, basically hinted that if they go to another <laughs> Security Council resolution, that they didn't like, they might even defy it. And of course, they've done that in the past. The United States has been there to protect them. But this time, we see that the United States is having to bend under the uh, diplomatic pressure that it is cut, that it is coming under, or at least not the United States, the Biden administration is. So this is different. This is this already makes this a different crisis from any other crisis. Uh, like this that we have seen in the past. Now, um, you're absolutely correct about what you just said. The Biden administration, they didn't think this through. Right at the beginning, they didn't think this through. They came to Israel. Uh, Biden came to Israel. Blinken went on his tours of the Middle East. They had entirely different sets of ideas. They raised expectations in Israel of unqualified support, Whereas what they needed to do at that time was to explain to the Israelis, look, we're completely with you. We understand exactly how you feel, but we do have our own interests 
and they may not be identical to yours in this situation. And you think need to think carefully about what you're going to do, as we have to think carefully about what we are going to do. Netanyahu, by the way, who is an extremely experienced and sophisticated political operator, I think would not only have understood that, but I would not be surprised if he'd actually been expecting the Americans to come to him with that message. But they didn't. That put him in the position where he had to go all out, because how could he go back to his people in Israel and say, I can't go all out because, <laughs> you know, even though the Americans are saying that I can. So he's been put in an awkward position. And of course, the United States has been put in an embarrassing position. And you're absolutely correct. The political initiative, the diplomatic initiative is now slipping out of their control. So we see, firstly, that uh, the BRICS countries are coming together. They're coming up with the plans. The BRICS countries are working increasingly with the Arab states and with the other states in the global south. The meeting that took place, this virtual summit meeting, uh, we've not, the, the actual statements and documents that have come out of it have not, they're not very interesting in themselves. But we are getting reports, especially from the South African media, in which the South Africans who convened this summit, that one of the things that they're talking about, for example, is a BRICS-backed peacekeeping force to go to Gaza. Now, if that happens, then, of course, that changes the political geography. It also means, and this is where this business about besiegement of Gaza must end, if there's a peacekeeping force there, very difficult to see how the Israelis can continue to control Gaza's borders to the extent that they have in the past. So we we might start to see the grip that Israel has had over Gaza start to loosen. And of course, more importantly, in geopolitical terms, the overall position of the United States in the Middle East is deteriorating further with people like El Sisi, MBS, Raizi, all now working together and working as part of the BRICS with the Russians, the Chinese, and of course the Indians too. So it, it, it's it's a completely different situation in the Middle East from what we have seen at any time before. Yeah, what kind of uh, an impact would that have on Biden's uh, re-election? And the Democrats in general, if, if after, say, three weeks, we do see this, this crisis, this war in the Middle East move towards, uh, towards BRICS mediation, with, of course, the United Nations supporting BRICS. I think that's, that's a key um, Absolutely. fact as well, is that, that, that BRICS is working with the United Nations, or at least it seems like they're coordinating with, with the United Nations to try and get to, to a resolution to this, to this war, um, where it does seem like the U.S. is working more in isolation. I mean, and that's, that's the impression that, that I'm getting. I mean, what, what would that mean to, to Biden for the, for the election? I think I, I would imagine that would be a huge uh, uh, blow to, to, the, to the Biden re-election and, and to the Democrats in, in general. 
You are absolutely right. And can I say this is also a change in the sense that since the end of the Cold War, the United States has essentially controlled the UN machinery. And for the first time, again, in this crisis, it is starting to lose control of the, US, of the UN's machinery. And that might be important, not just in this crisis, but in the long term, because, you know, you could start to see the BRICS um, getting together. They are already starting to win over more states in the General Assembly. Um, and they're starting to win friends and win over people in the Secretariat as well. But where will this leave? Uh, where will this ultimately, what will the ultimate consequences of this be on Biden's own election? I think that what has happened, what is going to happen is we're going to have an outcome in which he has basically um, antagonised both sides of this extremely sharp political divide in the United States. There are the traditional people, the people in the United States who traditionally support Israel. And there are huge numbers of them. I mean, they're still an important, uh, um, you know, electoral block. They're an ele important electoral block within the Democratic Party's electorate. They, they are going to be angry. They're going to be, they're going to feel let down. They're going to see that this is going to end with what they will see as a compromise, which potentially is going to leave Hamas still in existence and still uh, uh, present and perhaps to a great extent still running things in Gaza. So they're not going to be happy. At the same time, on the other side of the fence, you have all of those people who um, are who are protesting against the you know what 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 has been happening in Gaza, who in my opinion extend beyond you know Arab voters in Michigan. So that's not a place to ignore, but all sorts of other younger voters, people of that kind, um, they're probably going to feel that the administration didn't uh, uh, is now implicated. It's shown that it is still supports. Um, Israel, and they're not going to be happy with the administration either. So it's, you, they could have, had they approached this in a different way, right at the start, at the outset, they could have held on to their support with both of these electoral blocks. Whatever they do now, so it seems to me, they're going to disappoint and to some extent, even antagonise both. It seems like it's uh, it's, it's not a winnable uh, situation. Yeah, by the White House. That's that's how it looks. Uh, they're they're going to have to make a choice. They're going to have to make some very difficult choices, and yes. it's probably not what they want heading into two thousand and twenty-four. No. And uh, Biden's Biden's numbers uh, reflect that. What about the peacekeeper uh, issue? It's interesting that uh, Blinken. And the State Department, they floated out a peacekeeper uh, idea maybe like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. But their peacekeeper idea seems to be uh, a bit different than oh, what yeah. the BRICS are, are talking about. Uh, Lincoln was talking about a peacekeeping uh, force consisting of U.S., U.K., 
German, other European nations, and maybe, he said, maybe some Arab states are going to try to get some Arab states on board. While the BRICS, they have the Arab states there. Yeah. They're uh, with them. So they're going to, I, I, I imagine the BRICS, they're gonna, that's going to be the, the foundation of their, of their peacekeeping force if, if we get to, to some sort of a, a peacekeeping contingent in, in uh, Gaza. These are two com- radically different ideas. I mean, the, the Blinken proposal, many Palestinians would have said, was not a peacekeeping force at all. It was a new occupation force. It was there to take control of Gaza and to make sure that you know this kind of problem didn't arise again in the form that it did, and basically run Gaza in you know Western interests. Um, a peacekeeping force made up put together by the BRICS countries uh, with apparently the South Africans offering to lead will be an entirely different thing completely because they would be aiming to work with the local population. They would be seeking to lift the blockades and um, they would, they would in effect make Gaza a much more viable entity politically and economically than it's been up to this point. So it, we, we're talking about, you know, chalk and cheese. It, it, it's completely different. And again, if it happens and it is ever deployed, and, you know, I, I'm not, by the way, certain that it will be. I mean, we've got a long, long way to go before that happens. But if something like that does indeed happen, then that is also a, a major change in the political and geopolitical landscape of the Middle East. It would be an instance where, again, um, other states outside the collective West are taking the initiative, not just in um, diplomacy, but in peacekeeping as well. All right, we will uh, end it there, thedoran.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, Rockfin, and Twitter X and go to the Durant shop 20% off. Use the code the Durant 20. Take care.